Are you registered for Culture Proof Conference 2024? Well, you need to get registered today. We are super excited about our first ever conference that's coming to Faith Baptist in Bartlett, Tennessee. Yes, July 18th through the 20th. And we're open, wide open. So go to cultureproof.net right now and register. Yeah, that's right. And I say the first ever conference. It's the first ever Culture Proof Conference. But everything that you love about the types of conferences that the Addisons produce all remains intact. Some of our speakers this year include the incredible Dr. Kathy Cook. Abraham Hamilton III. Dr. Renton Rathbun. Dr. Lee Brand. And Israel Wayne. And not to mention our extraordinary Culture Proof Kids and Teens tracks facilitated by Maria Hamilton. The third. And Mark and Amy (laughs) Warren. You're going to want to make sure you register. When registration fills up for those tracks, the kids tracks, we close them down because we want our classrooms to be functional and we want our kids to get the most out of those classrooms. All right, question. Mm-hmm. Is functional a word? No, probably not. So fu- functional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's all right. I just want to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, don't let her do it. Oh, Lord. Um, when you don't have a red line in your brain, you're just going to leave it. Okay. We want to see you in Bartlett, Tennessee at Faith Baptist Church, July 18th through the 20th. That's right. Go to cultureproof.net. Culture Proof is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. If you've come to homeschooling or you're thinking of homeschooling to preserve a solid biblical worldview in your children, you should consider the curriculum we trust to help with biblical worldview formation. BJU Press Homeschool is here for you and with you as you center Christ in the education of your kids. Visit our friends today at BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com, the premier sponsor of the Culture Proof podcast. Thanks for listening to Culture Proof. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And today we are looking at the church just this week. Just mm-hmm. what's going on um, among the body of believers, um, at least those who are professing to be believers. You know, it's just so concerning. I'm thinking about us talking about the coffee sipping culture of church as um, Dr. John Piper was, you know, just addressing sort yeah. of this casual nature with which we approach the Lord's gathering and what it means to actually be the church. And and why do we care so much about this? Um, because we're failing, because mm. we are failing, because we have made a mockery of what it is to be the called out ones. We have made a mockery of what it is um, to be holy and to be mm-hmm. set apart. Mm-hmm. And it seems that we don't understand what the Lord even requires of us, let alone how to start to carry that out, how to start to live these set apart lives, these sanctified lives that we're supposed to be living. We are so much like the world around us that it just grieves us. Yeah. And um, and we wanted to take a look at that. I was so disturbed to come across one piece over um, at the Christian Post looking at a church that had a special service Um this past Sunday, uh, Super Bowl Sunday, you know, and I just kept thinking, 
but this is the Lord's day. <laughs> like this is the Lord's right. day. There should be a difference. Right. I think we're so consumed with trying to be relevant, trying mm. to, you know, uh, be palatable for the people that will come who don't know God. I think we have even lost what uh, the meaning and the definition of what church is or what, who, who is the church, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the thing, when we try to do all these different uh, gimmicks and things like that, it just really shows the, uh, the love of the world, mm -hmm. you know, there's a, a affinity for the world that we may not want to admit, but we have, you know, and I say we, cause the church in general, I think, you know, uh, is, is drawn toward that way. Yeah. Instead of just having your normal church service right. where you uplift Jesus Christ and everyone comes to worship him. You know, we, I'm not against using things in a culture mm -hmm. to preach the gospel, but Come man, I, you know, some of these churches just take it too far to where you can clearly see that there's a, a love and an affinity for the world. Yeah. There's a difference between a parable that draws out from something that would be culturally normative, something right. that people would understand. I mean, the genuine desire to get the gospel to people in their own language. I am, I am not going to, to shun that. And I am not going to like look down my nose at that because I do believe that that's what God calls us to do. He mm -hmm. calls us to preach the gospel to all nations nations, right? So that there's a presentation that everyone can understand. They get the gospel in their language, so to speak, mm. and even understanding what it is to be uh, culturally responsive, um, you know, what might be a comparison that this culture might understand. That is wisdom. You saw the Apostle Paul doing this. Of course, Jesus, the master, you saw doing this, drawing out from the culture these eternal truths so that people could hear it and understand it. Mm. And I want to make something very clear. We can see that God in his infinite wisdom has done this from the very beginning. I have taught this in presentations um, all across this country that when you look at what God does in scripture, mm -hmm. you can see that he takes a deep eternal truth and he embeds that in something that is just culturally normal mm -hmm. or cult culturally normative. Yeah. And what is he going to do later? He is going to draw that eternal truth out of something that has become normal to us that we can understand, right? So the mm -hmm. depths of it, um, God is able to plunge the depths of this meaning because he has then embedded it on our heart. It becomes a part of the way we operate naturally. You see this with marriage. Mm -hmm. From the beginning, we've got this union between one man and one woman, right? And then what does God do later? Okay, <laughs> later, God is going to say, hey, and this is a picture of Christ and the church. Yeah, yeah. You see this in the family. You see right. this with the father as the head of the family, right? You see this with the mom who operates. Man, and we were talking about this recently. I've done talks when when we have done date nights where we've talked about the way God made the wife, mm -hmm. right? To give counsel, to come alongside the husband and to mm -hmm. be vital aid. This, yeah. is, this is a foreshadowing of the work of the spirit in the life of the believer. Right. So we start to understand these deep spiritual truths because of something that God has made naturally available to us. I am not mad about that. I right. love that. Right. I appreciate that. But when you see things happening in a local congregation where they are um, punting the Bible. <laughs> Come on, man. Where they are punting, where they literally put their foot to the word of God to kick it to one another. And then they say, this is our attempt to win people to God. Like, mm. Guys, we we've gone off the rails. This is this is even to me, this is way beyond just walking in sipping your latte. Yeah. This is a lack of reverence for the holy word of God. Yeah, and I, I believe 
the churches and the um, fellowships that do this type of thing, it really um, presents something terrible to the people that come, especially the ones who don't know come God. It, it just said, hey, you could be comfortable here. You know, we're not going to say anything really to offend you. We want you to keep coming, you know, and, and it's all about the numbers a lot of times. You know, it's not about really want to see people transform for real because you can sit in those environments and just stay like you are, mm -hmm. especially with uh, messages that cater to the culture. And we're not trying to, you know, offend, you know, just won't preach the straight word of God. You're setting up an environment where people can remain in sin yeah. and be comfortable there. And man, you're going to be held accountable for that as a, as a leader, as a pastor. Absolutely. So here's the article and we went ahead and pulled some clips and, and kind of put them together so that you can get an idea of this. If you're listening to the podcast, I want to direct you to go to our YouTube channel, Culture Proof YouTube channel, and you can see the video there so that it's not, you know, well, here go, you know, Will and Miki, and, and they're they're <laughs> exaggerating this. You you probably are going to need to see it. Before we do that, let me look at this, um, this Christian Post article. Um, a pastor at Crossroads Church in Ohio holds a football-covered Bible during a church service on February 11th, where uh, prior to that, it is punted. It is kicked by another member of his staff. An evangelical megachurch in Ohio kicked off Super Bowl weekend, literally, this article says, <laughs> with a sermon that had all of social media buzzing. Pastors with Crossroads Church in Cincinnati, a multi-site interdenominational church. Now listen to this, and, and this should really concern us, okay? That boasts a weekly congregation of roughly 34,000, 34,000 punted a copy of the Bible as part of its Super Bowl of preaching series. The sermon was delivered on February 11th, just hours before the Kansas City Chiefs topped the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 58. Listen, um, we've, we've got a problem. We've got a problem. We're going to play this for you. Um, but this article points it out. They had play-by-play -play announcers, color commentary, a referee, and a stage covered in AstroTurf um, at the Crossroads pulpit, it resembled, according to this article, Allegiant Stadium more than any church on Sunday morning as senior pastor Brian Tome and pastor Allie Patterson sported football jerseys as they took to the stage for the pregame coin flip. Now, there's something else that we would like to show you because it's more than just they punted the Bible. As I went to the church's website and I was looking at the video footage from Sunday, I was concerned about the carnality, not only of the presentation, but of the pastor himself. Now, mm -hmm. I know people would say, well, Miki, you don't know this pastor. And you're right. I don't know this pastor, but I do know biblical criteria for a leader. Mm -hmm. And I know that we are really supposed to be looking for pastors who abstain from even the very appearance of evil. And you're going to see we're going to play this clip and we're going to just kind of talk through it a little bit. Folks, here's the, here's the, here's the question. Do we even know how to discern what the gathering of the Lord's people should look like? Right. right. And I look, I love to have fun. I love to laugh. I, I love to laugh. I, I love uh, punchlines. I, I love, you know, good puns. I, mm -hmm. I love those things. I do. We do that with our kids yeah. all the time. Yeah. I am. I am not some stuffy like, you know, God doesn't have a sense of humor, man. You know, the tactics of communication that the Lord God has displayed in scripture, I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. He displays, he shows sarcasm. He shows humor, right? Righteous indignation also, though. 
Yeah. Okay. That there's, there should be the right esteem for his holiness and for his name and for his word. And when those things are missing, then the other tactics that you use actually become a stench. Mm. So if, if you want to say, well, we we're using sarcasm and we're using humor and we're using plays on words. And you're saying you're modeling this after the greatest storyteller ever. Great. Also model his holiness. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? No, also right. model his justice and yeah. his wisdom. Like you, those things are not mutually exclusive in an attempt to win people to Christ. And in none of the things that we read in the Bible, the, the, do we see like an affinity for the world? No. You know, when Jesus is using different things, you know, it, it's not like you get a sense of, man, we kind of love this. Like, you know, yeah, we're talking about it, trying to make a connection with the word and all this, but we're kind of, we, we, we like this culture a little bit. Mm. And it's crazy to me. I have never seen, you know, there, there are other, uh, <laughs> we know them as false religions, mm -hmm. you know, who are very uh, reverent toward their books Listen. and their people, their prophets, whoever, you know, would never kick the, the, the Quran. You know, on. it's like, man, so these people don't do not have the truth. But they hold so closely and it shows so much reverence. And we have the truth. This is the word of God. And we're doing this. And I know people who are going to check this out and listen, be like, oh, they'll go to Pharisees. Again. <laughs> no, man, but there, there is such a preciousness to the word of God. You know, there's some countries, they get one Bible, Come on. you know, in their group. And they're, and they're like, man, they're, they're hugging it and kissing and it. And, yeah, and you know, they, the word they, of they God. love the word of God, but we're kicking it punting it over here. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you are enjoying what you hear, please remember to give it a rating or to leave a comment. Let people know that this podcast is a blessing to you. It helps to grow Culture Proof and we would be so grateful. Also, if you love Culture Proof and you want to support the ministry, why not pick up some merch and look good while you support the ministry of Culture Proof? Check out every podcast. You'll find a link in the description to where you can get your Culture Proof merch and support this ministry. We appreciate it. I remember being in college, before we go into this clip, I remember being in college and I had a friend who was Muslim in, in college. And I remember uh, this, this friend saying to me, um, the Christians don't care about God's word. They don't care about their Bible. And, and I said, how, well, how can you say that? How can you just make a blanket statement like that? And he said, well, with the Quran, he said, we don't put it lower than our waist. It doesn't, we don't put it down. He goes, and then, and this was interesting to me as well. And he said, but, but you guys just hold your Bible however you want. And then he said, and because he was a, he was one of the dorm security people and mm -hmm. I was a dorm counselor. Mm -hmm. And so I'd be in the lobby reading my Bible from time to time and I'm underlining and writing. He goes, and then you write in it. <laughs> He goes, you're right in it. And, and I go, I go, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so the thing is we believe that it's alive and we believe Amen. that God is actively speaking to us in real time yes. as we read it. And so we underline and we highlight that's our way of engaging with the scriptures. Amen. But man, there was a high esteem for God's word. I mean, I can only imagine like what he would say if he saw this clip of the oh Bible being kicked, like, can you imagine? <laughs> and then we want to be outraged. We want to show up when we're like, you know, well, how come they respect these, these religious groups and they don't respect us because we don't respect us. <sighs> they don't respect us because we don't respect us. Right. We have an inconsistent message. We have an inconsistent presentation of what Christianity is and how the word of God should be esteemed. Man, Man I'm, I'm so sick of it. I'm Man. so sick of it. They respect everybody else, but us. Because we don't respect us. Mm. All right. So here we go. This this is Crossroads Church in Cincinnati, Ohio on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, 
full with the pregame show and commentary and all of that. Like, and I want you to just keep thinking. This is one of the things I want you to say, because as we got our 17 year old daughter to help us edit this clip and she was working on this, she said, mom, are you sure this is not for like a youth event? (laughs) No, dear, it's not. And then she said, she goes, okay, wait, was this a Sunday morning or was it like a Friday? Like what? No, no, this is the Lord's day Sunday morning. This is not a youth event. This is for a, this is a church wide event. Like this is not just for teenagers. Right. But what you look like up there is like a collection of teenagers who do not fear God, who do not have a reverence for the holiness of God. Guys, this is embarrassing to me. All right, but let's look at it and let's have a conversation around it. Welcome to Crossroads and welcome to the 22nd annual Super Bowl of Preaching. I'm Andy, community pastor for Crossroads Anywhere. And Crossroads is one church meeting in multiple locations, normal church buildings, online, in dorm rooms, bars, cafes, even prisons all around the nation and the world. And today you are tuning in for a church service that is unlike any other. Disclaimer, it has little to nothing to do with actual football or the Super Bowl, but no matter what you believe, you're going to laugh. No matter what you believe, you might be a little confused at some point, but I believe you will and can experience God and church in a fresh new way. Now you might be wondering, why on earth would we do something like this? Well, there's two answers for that. One, we believe that church can and should be fun. You're gonna experience hilarious commercials filled with middle school humor, really great music, and some good old fashioned smack talk. But secondly, we believe that there are spiritual truths and realities that can be drawn out from sports. And that's what each of our teachers are going to be doing today. All right, enough with me for now. Let's get right in to the main event. Yeah, enough with him for now. Let's back up a little bit. So we're talking about the church meeting in bars. So so basically just whatever your level of comfort. I understand the church gathered in prisons. I understand that. I understand the church gathered in dorm rooms. You understand that these are places where people like kind of live, mm-hmm. you know, but a bar is a choice. A bar is a choice. So I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. But then I'm also trying to wrap my mind around the celebration of middle school humor in the presentation of God's word. Now, now, not not middle school level reading so that people can understand, like not yeah. trying to keep things, but I'm talking about middle school, middle school humor. Like, what's the chief aim? The chief aim, as you heard from this brother, is that it's going to be fun. It's going to make you laugh. This is this is what. And then he says this. This all has little or nothing to do with actual football. I would argue that it has little or nothing to do with the actual word of God as well. Mm. So I don't know what you were aiming for. And, and, and look, and I'm making my case from what you're going to see. We Look, I, I, we couldn't present to you the entire service. Basically, the whole premise of what they did was that it was a sort of a football game of preaching, that they were going to, who's going to be preaching, and they throw flags on the preaching, and then they have to use these props, incorporate these props in their sermons, and, 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 and then all draw it together with a heavy, heavy focus on what is culturally normative, what, what, what we are celebrating at the moment. So, so in other words, it's Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, and then also maybe Jesus, also maybe, also maybe holiness. It's basically leading uh, with the art and letting the message follow. That's exactly what it is. That's the mindset. That is exactly what it is. All right, <laughs> let's go back to it. Well, I'm here with the spicy casseroles, Brian Tome and Chuck Mingo. You guys were once sworn enemies. Now you're on the same Super Bowl team. How do you feel about this? feel amazing about it. 
Feeling now like that's I'm the hungry, pastor. ready to chow down, go yum, yum. Feeling like I'm with winners. Feeling like we're going to get something done. I'm feeling amazing. I'm feeling fantastic. Who can't be when you know victory is right on the edge of your tongue? Solomon, I am too blessed to be stressed. Now wait for this. Honestly, it doesn't matter who we play. I, I'm just happy to be in the game. Am I right? Happy to be in the game. Again, senior yeah. pastor here. I'm getting a little concerned, I gotta tell you. I'd like to see a little more hunger. I'd like to see a little more aggression. Well, you know what, Solomon? I'd like to see a little bit more encouragement from you know who, but we can't all get what we want. <laughs> well, it really does sound like we're all going through some growing pains, right? Uh, a growing pain in my ass. Actually, I prefer to That's the senior pastor. Hold on. The the one That's who the alluded middle school humor. <laughs> that he was talking about. Guys, where's the holiness? Oh, where's the reverence? Goodness. Even for the office wow. of being a pastor, being an elder in the Lord's church. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? This is this goes to what we were talking about with Dr. Barna just the other night, right? Mm -hmm. Like that when you look at a biblical worldview of pastors and pulpits all across this country, it just doesn't exist. Yeah. In other words, there's Man. no holy reverence for God's word that it drives the way you live. It drives the way you engage. If there's not a check, if there's not a discomfort over this kind of coarse joking, using vulgar language, mm -hmm. like this, how would, yeah. if I'm sitting here yep. with my children mm -hmm. on a Sunday morning, I want my children to believe that the pastor cusses. Or if I'm sitting there as one who is maybe, you know, a new Christian and I'm struggling with cussing. Come on. I'm like, oh. Struggle no more. Look at the pastor. There's no I mean, problem I mean, here. You know, it's a, hey. <laughs> we are we are losing. We are losing. Let's go back to this because there's much more. Call them growing opportunities. We're just figuring it out. Folks, what do you say? We send it down for our starting lineup. Here's the church services and beginning. And now, your 2024 Super Bowl of Preaching Teams. First you can up, see it. The Spicy Casserole. This is a church service. So if, so if you're listening, what happens is that you've got the first team running out. It's like a stadium, stadium um, kind of feel. They've got glow-in-the-dark things that they are, you know, clanging Next. together. Their opponents, the Disco So they come out on the stage. They actually have a, a, a gerbil <laughs> that they're passing around on the stage. Guys, this grieves me. Like it, it, grieves, it grieves my heart. Um, and they're running through the crowd. Like, this is a Sunday morning. This is the Lord's Day. They're running through the crowd. The crowd has, like, those... Things you hit together. Noise with, makers, yeah, like they, they glow, glow in the dark. Glow in the dark. It's, Disco this is balls, like, and this is a Sunday oh morning. Goodness. But if you, if so, you can't. Let me just. I'm ready. The only thing that would make today great is if Taylor Swift was actually in the sky. But is it? Is it? No. Is Taylor it? Oh my God. Is it actually Taylor Swift? Oh. Okay. Okay. Code karma. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Code karma. It's what? happening. Yeah. It's happening. Okay. Wow. All right. Here. This one's for you. So let me just stop it there for a second. Um, so what they do is, it, this is for our podcast listeners, they pan out um, to what is made to look like a skybox, and they've got a cardboard cutout of Taylor Swift, 
and two guys dressed in like football garb behind her um, meant to look like they're drinking beer. One of them smashes a beer can on his head. Um, and again, this is a church service, right? This is where you are, you, you are saying that you're going out to get the harvest. You're mm. so, so like, what are you harvesting? What are you, what are you winning people to? Right. And then, and we, again, we cannot pull this entire service. So, so we want you to see where they actually, um, kick the football or kick the Bible. Okay. And then the first person who is up to preach starts to preach and want you to listen to this and just think about what is being said here. First, before we go back into it, Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking about Ephesians chapter four, where through the apostle Paul, the Lord um, outlines how he equipped the church Mm -hmm. for the work of ministry. And even in this in this discussion of the equipping of the church, the Lord through the apostle Paul outlines the purpose of the church. Like, why do we have the gathering of believers? This is Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. And the Bible says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, wait, so wait, so why do we have all of this in the context of the church of the living God? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to Mm -hmm. the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ as a result. And this is what happens when we, as a result of being connected to the body of Christ, meeting and gathering together, various members of the body operating in their gifts, the truth is proclaimed. Then here is what happens. Verse 14, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, Mm. by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Wow. Now, why is that important? Because we see the absence of this understanding. We see that so many people are held hostage and Mm -hmm. taken captive by the trickery of men. We see that there is a deception that is pervasive in the Lord's church today. Yeah. It grieves me. All right. So so here we go. They come out. It's a huge fanfare. And I want to encourage you, if you listen to the podcast, just just go and check this out Um, over on YouTube. You can see what the stadium looks like. Again, a church, but... The entire, I mean, no expense was spared to create their own Super Bowl. And they said that they would spend any amount of money, do anything to what I guess reach some, some, and yeah. then the question is, reach them to what? Yeah. All right, let's go back to this. Here we go. Hey, Taylor, here we go. Brian, a senior pastor, you're going to call it heads or tailors, uh, heads or tails in the air. Ready? <laughs> heads. It is heads. What would you like to do? We receive. 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 Yep. receive yep. the yep. Bible. All right. Spicy casseroles to receive. Patterson holds Driscoll back to kick. We're going to get some emails. Here we go. Wait, what? Okay, just in case you missed it. Okay. That's onside kick, baby. They punt the Bible. Uh, oh, your um, sorry, your random prop, Kyle. Your random prop that you have to include somehow. Nunchucks. Nunchucks. So he's up to preach Ransing now. Gets us underway. Well, hey, welcome. First thing, most important thing. No matter who you are, no matter what you believe about God or church or any of this stuff so far, we're just glad that you are here. We say that and we mean it. 
Everything we do, everything, everything at Crossroads is for one reason. It's so that you can hear the message of Jesus in a language that you can actually understand. That's what we're after today. What, what about the language of truth, though? Like, I just want to stop them there. I just want to say, okay, why is it that it doesn't matter what you believe? Aren't, aren't you calling people there so that their beliefs will align with something beyond you? Like, don't you, don't you want a belief? So like, you need all of this to uh, present truth in a way that people can understand. I just don't. I I I don't understand. This that. takes away from even Apostle Paul said that he you know didn't come with persuasive words of men's wisdom. That you know he didn't want he didn't want to uh, taint the word of God. He didn't want it to be concealed from people because of the word wording. But you're using all of this stuff. Like how many people are really going to hear the word rather than remember you kicking the uh, uh, you know the Bible or doing stuff. Like, this takes away from the message. And they don't see that. They, they think it's enhancing it. But, man, people are there for a show. That's exactly right. And people are going to walk away remembering how, quote, unquote, off the chain that church service was. They're going to call it a service, right? They're going to call it church. But they're going to walk away uh, having been entertained and having loved that. They are not going to be convicted by God's word. Mm. Because guess what? God's word does not need all of those shenanigans. Right. It does not. Absolutely does not. All right. But you know what? There's more and it gets worse. We'll do anything for that. We'll spend anything for that. In fact, during the actual Super Bowl, we'll see some Crossroads commercials. Isn't that crazy? It's nuts. Before and after, we got this insane deal. We got 10 little spots for a thousand bucks a spot. And we were like, absolutely, let's do it. And you might be like, man, why would you do that? Why'd you spend that money? Why would you spend all this money and all this? Why? so that you can hear the message of Jesus in a language you can understand and take a step closer to God. That's our hope. That's our prayer. What happens for you today? Let's pray for that before you go any further. God, thank you for this thing. Thank you for fun. Thank you for laughter. Thank you for your word and your truth. Take us closer to you today. Amen. But if, if you were to ask what's the biggest storyline of the NFL this year, without a doubt, it's the fact that Taylor Swift bought the NFL, right? That would be it. She's everywhere. So and I know we're sick of hearing about her. The gospel according Travis to Taylor Kelsey, Swift. But I just want to quote a famous theologian for you. That's how you feel. And I quote, the hater's going to hate. Hate, 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 hate. Baby, I'm just going to shake, 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 shake it off. I shake it off. That's T.A. Swift, great theologian. And we do have to talk about it a little bit. We have to talk about it. Why? Well, because Travis Kelsey did this one thing that Jesus says to do. It's actually a key if you want to have a powerful and effective. Okay, he's about to make now his spiritual case. Okay, all of this has been set up and he is quoting Taylor Swift from the pulpit and jokingly calling her a theologian. And in the context of if you're sick of hearing about Taylor Swift and sick of hearing about Travis Kelsey, if you feel like, oh, my goodness, you know, then here, let me quote this theologian. And what he then quotes is a Taylor Swift song, which, oh, this is so clever, right? This is what we're doing. And now he is about to make his spiritual case Okay, he's all of this is set up, and now he's about to make his spiritual case. Um, here we go. Life, you have to do this thing, and it's the key for how he actually got Taylor Swift to go out with him. You know what? You want to know what it is? Okay, lean in. Come here. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what, what he did and what Jesus says to do. This is what he did. He asked. That's what he did. He asked her out. Okay, if you're a single guy in here, you need to write this down. He didn't have a friend ask. It's not third grade. He asked. 
And I'm not sure that we understand how improbable this is. Travis Kelsey is a 34-year-old grown man who still proudly rocks the Instagram handle Trav. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was friends with Trav on AOL Instant Messenger back in the day. Anybody else? You remember the guy, right? This is improbable. And I know somebody's in the back row, you're like, okay, ask. Is the message, Kyle, is that if I had asked Taylor Swift out, I'd be dating her right now? No, that's not what I'm saying. The point is, we'll never know because you didn't ask. And here's what I want you to underline. Here's what I want you to underline. What are you not asking about? What are you not asking for that only God can give you? What is it? James says in James 4.2, you do not have. Why? Because you do not ask God. You don't have because you don't ask. Okay, so let's let's get some context here. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 1 says, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. By the way, that's the second half of verse two. (laughs) You do not have because you do not ask. And then verse three says this, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. You ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, (laughs) whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Hold on a second. Verse five. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. (laughs) Why can't we preach that? Right. Why can't we preach that? Because that's not Super Bowl message. Right. And the thing is, I wonder how many people in that setting would have said to themselves, okay, let me go check out what's before and after this this scripture. They're not trained to do that. That's a problem. And that's where we have these things, you know, happening in in churches all across this country, you know, where the gimmicks and all the, you know, the fills and stuff like that lead the way because we're not training people to be Bereans, to, to check out the scriptures, to say, okay, what does the scripture say before that and after that? What's the context of what he's preaching? But we'll listen to that and say, oh, I just need to ask. I just need to ask. Whatever I need, whatever I want, I ask. But there, there's more. There's more to that. And we're, and people are not being trained to say, hold on, look, well, let me pull out my Bible. Come on. And let me track with him. Let me see exactly where he's going with this. And let me see what is before and after. And that's a problem. It's this kind of half-baked gospel that has weakened and crippled the church. You know what? You would get in trouble if you would actually say, hey, that if you desire to be a friend of this world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Why? Because this entire presentation is friendship with the world. Yes. This, you can't this entire re- you can't presentation the whole thing. is friendship with the world. So if I now, this is going to cause a cognitive <laughs> oh dissonance goodness. in the mind and in the lives of my hearers that I am saying the rest, I'm reading the rest of the scripture and saying that if you desire to be a friend of this world, you make yourself an enemy of God. If you are a believer, the Bible clearly says that he is jealous for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in you. Mm. So don't make yourself a friend of this world. God is not pleased with this, but you actually can't do it because you've got a cardboard cut out of Taylor right. Swift in your church. You've got people running around like they're in a high school gymnasium. This is friendship with the world. Man, if you do it, if you read that whole thing, you shine a light on what you're doing right now in, in this service. 
But the sad part is, I don't know how many people would have the discernment to even see it, to even say, oh, hold on, that's what not this what we're doing now? Because, look, training, like you read in Ephesians chapter 4, is to equip the body for works of service. Like, the church exists to equip the saints. And so... One part of equipping the saints is showing them how to read and study the word of God, what to look for. And that's not happening. So you have a lot of weakness taking place within the churches around the country. If you just continue, and this is kind of how I want to wrap up. If you just continue James chapter four, and this was his, this was his scripture text, right? So what I'm doing is just wanting to unpack it. I'm I'm just (laughs) wanting to read it and take God at his word. I want to take God at his word, right? So here is James chapter four. I'm just going to continue with verse six. It says, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, therefore it's says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Can you imagine if you've got tens of thousands of people gathered together? Don't you think they need to hear that? Mm. Verse eight says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners and purify your hearts, you double minded. This is all in James four, by the way. Like, don't you think these tens of thousands of people need to hear this? Don't you think that they would benefit eternally by hearing this rather than seeing guys smash beer cans on their heads. Like, don't you think they would benefit? Verse nine, be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. The whole premise he sets up his preaching, the reason we're doing this, we want you to laugh. We want you to have a good time. James says, let it be turned to mourning. Let your joy be turned to gloom. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Now let's get some context here because some would say, well, wait a minute, what are you going to do with that? What we are going to do is we are going to assess rightly. Mm -hmm. This means that we do not create a law unto ourselves and then hold people up against it. Notice that what I'm doing is I'm simply saying, hey, brother, read the rest of the scripture. Mm -hmm. I'm not creating my own commentary. I'm saying read the rest of the scripture. If you go through God's word and continue reading the rest of the scripture, then the conviction that God intended Mm -hmm. is able to come to rest on the hearer. Yeah. Why, Why aren't we doing that? That's what I'm saying. Why aren't we doing that? We've got millions of people who profess to be Christians who are deceived. And what concerns me and what grieves me and what breaks my heart is that you've got people gathering every Sunday on their way to hell. Mm. And they have a false sense of security because they call themselves the church and because they're being told that they are Christians and because what they have come to is a false gospel and what they have come to is a false and powerless Christ. It's a Christ that they have made. It is indeed an idol. And if we don't tell people this, if we don't rescue them on their way to destruction, what, what are we? What are we? Aren't we then charged? Aren't we negligent that we don't say to people, hey, flee destruction, flee the wrath that is to come? Mm. No, but you've got a church filled with people who have the title and they have the office of pastor And they call themselves Christians and they give people a half truth because it makes them comfortable. Do you know what it does for your pride to have a stadium like gathering? And that's your measure of success. Then you feel like you're doing it. You are killing it as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what killing it as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ really is? It's really obeying him and submitting to his leadership. That's killing it as a follower of Christ. When we resist the cultural trends that rival the truth, we remain culture proof. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless.